human dignity. Over rally and cry. Dignity for everyone. Progress. Needed. Equally. Equity. For all. Thanks for tuning in to Our Right Stories, a podcast created and developed by the Just Race Scotland team with your host, Natalia. Today's episode is a special episode for the marking of the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights on December 10th. We started off the episode asking some of our staff and partner organizations to describe human rights by only using one word or term. And already that was really powerful. The theme for 2023 is dignity, freedom, and justice for all. So to continue this conversation, we decided to also ask our staff, what does this theme mean to you? The theme of dignity, freedom, and justice for all is really important to me because it gets to what the the basis of human rights is all about, that they're for everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is. That's why we have human rights, because we are human. Human rights aren't a fixed horizon, um, but rather a field that should be continually expanding in scope to reflect the realities of the world. They need to be more than just buzzwords and they need to be embedded within our approach to all aspects of human rights. For me, that means that everyone who's included in all, so all, are actually sitting at the table and are part of the solution and input into that. And we also asked some of our partner organizations the same question. What does this theme mean to you? Starting with Vari Snowden from the Human Rights Consortium Scotland. Human rights are not just for some of us, they are for all of us. No one should be left behind or ignored or treated as if they have any less value. But right now in Scotland, every day we know that that is not the case. That's why the Human Rights Consortium Scotland is all about civil society working together to defend human rights, to make sure that Scotland is a country where everyone's dignity is respected. Hi, I'm Claire McGillivray, the director of Making Rights Real. The 2023 theme for Human Rights Day, Dignity, Freedom and Justice for All, is essentially what Making Rights Real is all about. Is about people who are experiencing human rights breaches being able to access redress for their issues, collectively campaigning to be able to improve human rights for the people who need human rights change most. My name is Maria McCluskey and I'm with the Public Interest Litigation Support Project in Belfast, or PILS for short. In practice, To us, the theme means treating people equally and treating them with dignity. And that means providing them with access to justice in a fair and equitable society that is underpinned by the rule of law. For us lawyers and human rights defenders, it is about the rule of law and about ensuring that that rule of law system remains in place. And we can see from events that have been happening around the world and even closer to home, that there are considerable attacks on that system, whether that be what's happening internationally, um, and we just have to look to what's happening in Palestine, whether that be nationally, as we've seen with basically what I would call attacks on the asylum system, and therefore on the rights of people within that system, or whether that be locally with what we have seen in Northern Ireland as the recent passing of the legacy legislation that is now being challenged through the courts. So for us, the theme is a reminder about why we exist and why we do the work that we do. For us, it is a real motivational factor to keep on um, supporting the organisations that we do. And I'm Emma Cassidy and I work with Maria at PILS in Belfast. For us in the PILS project, this year's theme, I think, is something of a rallying cry. It is a call to to us as individual staff members, to all of the member organisations that we work with, that our work is not done. The road to equality, the road to dignity, the road to justice is never a straight one. There will continually be setbacks and we have seen that as Maria has said in many, many places this year. But I think it's useful for us on this day to remember why it is we do what we do and just as an encouragement to all of our members that we are going to continue to be here for as long as possible to support them in the work that they're doing as well.
Collaboration and extending and defending rights for all in Scotland is such a major part of why JRS was founded. And instead of me explaining today the founding story of JRS, today we have special guests, Kirsty, Andy, and Jen, who all co-founded along with Sarah, JRS. And they're going to tell us a little bit about the work that they do the reason why it was funded, some of their hopes, their dreams, their expectations for Just Right Scotland, and definitely leaving us with some hope in general as being human rights defenders. Uh, well, thank you all for joining us on Our Rights Stories. This is a special episode for the Human Rights Day podcast, and today we have our founders at JRS. So let's welcome Jen. Hello. Andy. Hello again. <laughs> Hello again. And also Kirsty. Hi. Hi all. Thank you for being here. Um, just so our listeners can kind of understand like your roles in JRS. Um, Jen, can you kind of introduce yourself, your job title, and tell us a little bit more about your role at JRS? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Director of Development and Policy here at JRS, and I do sort of what it sounds like on the tin. I'm responsible for our funding and development work, and that means kind of keeping the money coming in, but also thinking about new projects that we um, might might need to be a part of or um, scanning the horizon for interesting developments. Um, and in the policy function, I look after Just Right for All, which is our policy, comms, and participation sort of strategic hub. Um, I also link in with academic researchers and um, look after ensuring that the evidence from our casework um, is put before policymakers and um, politicians uh, and people who are making practice where it happens. There is one more thing I do, uh, which is that I work with JRS Knowhow, which is our social enterprise, and they focus on creating digital materials about human rights and equalities and making that fun and engaging. Wow. That's mm -hmm. such like a wide ranging things that you do. But also, I feel like each of the things that you express is connecting that legal to non-legal and kind of going back and forth with that. That's amazing. Um, Andy, could you please introduce, although people may recognize your voice from previous episodes, <laughs> uh, could you introduce yourself, uh, job title, and tell us a little bit about what you do at JRS? Yep. So I'm Andy. I'm a legal director and partner here at Just Right Scotland. Um, my job is uh, quite different to yours, I think, Jen. Uh, mm -hmm. So I am, uh, I, I, my day to day involves me taking legal cases. So I, I, I meet with clients and I, I you know, I bring um, uh, legal cases in the courts and things like that. Uh, usually quite complicated ones. I tend to punish myself by taking the most complicated ones I can. Um, I also supervise um, two of our legal teams in terms of their legal work, uh, you know, making sure everyone's comfortable with the sort of strategy of the case and things like that. Uh, and outside of legal casework, I uh, am one of the spokespeople for the organisation uh, in terms of the work that we do. So, you know, we, you know, I give parliamentary evidence, go on television and radio and speak to journalists uh, uh, and speak with policymakers about how we can try and influence some change. And uh, yeah, that's and that's probably it in a nutshell. No two days are the same. Certainly quite a varied role. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I definitely have seen you probably the most on TV. <laughs> ah, well. Subjectless. My 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And then, Kirsty, for those um, that don't know, could you please introduce yourself, your title, and also tell us a little bit more about your work experience that you have? So, yeah, so I'm Kirsty, formerly of just Right Scotland, um, <clears throat> where I was a co-founder along with these two amazing individuals. And um, when I think back <clears throat> and I hear you speak about your roles, I think I did a bit of everything <laughs> when at uh, Just Right Scotland. Um, but since the start of this year, um, I've taken up uh, a new position in Europe where I'm Senior Director for Kind Kids in Need of Defence. So we're a global organisation um, working to protect unaccompanied and separated children. And we partner with Just Right Scotland in Scotland. And I work with a team um, really um, um, leading our programmes in Europe. Um, so, yeah, delighted to be back with Just Right Scotland to do this podcast. Oh, amazing. Do you miss us yet? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Although... <laughs> Although I have to say, I don't really feel that um, I've gone that far 
in terms of, um, you know, KIND is a very similar organization in terms of our values, in terms of the approach we take to working with children. Um, it's very similar in terms of that holistic approach, the legal casework, the wraparound support, the training, the policy and advocacy. So I certainly haven't gone very far in terms of the type of organization working in the same field. And it I'm always delighted when I come across um, people from Just Right Scotland in my work and also some key stakeholders and partners of Just Right Scotland in my work globally. So, um, yes, but I still feel very connected to to all of our work and um, and all of the values that we have and what we're all trying to achieve. Similar organisation, but better weather, I think, Kirsty. <laughs> well, it depends where I am within Europe at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, Kirsty, how has your experience as part of the JRS family influenced your day-to-day -day life now? I mean, you kind of hinted a little bit at it that we never really left your life. There's always kind of things that you're working with now that reminds you. But could you kind of expand a little bit on that? Yeah, and, and I think actually picking up on that, and when I think about GRS and when I think about um, what led to GRS, it wasn't just the three of us. You know, there were there were more of us. Indeed, there were four key staff at the start. There were a huge amount of board members, partners, <clears throat> leaders, and there was a lot of ideas in there. And indeed, in terms of experience that we'd taken from organizations we'd visited people we'd seen we knew that in order to confront the challenges that were coming there was room for another voice within the human rights and legal space and that connecting voice that just right scotland plays so well and really that that theme of collaboration you know working with partners you know learning from partners and Kind was one of those partners. You know, I met Kind in 2015. And it doesn't surprise me <laughs> that the approach of Kind now and the approach of JRS do mirror each other in terms of not only what we see as important, but what is needed and needed more than ever in terms of working with each other as much as we can and bringing together that expertise um, as much as we can. Yes, it's about the law, but it's also about our partners. It's about building capacity. It's about strengthening systems and supporting each other nationally, transnationally. Um, and it's hard. It's hard now. And um, you need um, organisations like Just Right Scotland and Kind um, to be strong leaders. Um, and to to you know to to go forward um and respond as we are doing so as i say um i very much feel like kind going into just right scotland now coming to kind it's very much a fluid journey and we're all we're all working in a difficult space but we're all working um with great people great values great guiding principles um and that makes it easier I love that. That that in itself, I think, gives me a lot of hope considering, I mean, like you were saying, it's a very difficult space to be in. It always was difficult to be in, but now it seems to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so switching over a little bit, um, Andy, as part of your role, you mentioned a bit, um, you do a lot of legal casework mm -hmm. and, you know, you're very legal heavy and you also be spokesman and, mm -hmm. and you know, you, you give a lot of information in relation to the cases that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, could you give us a little more information about the latest landmark of the legal case that you were involved in? Yeah, so this is uh, this was a pretty high-profile human rights case that took place in the last 12 months or so, and it was about access to education. So for years and years and years, there'd been a problem in Scotland where um, migrant young people uh, who had you know come to Scotland as children, you know, this was their home, uh, were finishing school and wanting to go to university, but they were being treated as um, international students. And so it was too expensive for them to go. So basically they were being discriminated against. And uh, uh, last year there was a campaign that was set up with Just Right Scotland and Maryhill Integration Network, which is a wonderful community organisation based in the north of Glasgow, 
uh, called Our Grades Not Visas. It's headed up by a campaigner there and a high school student called Ahmed, uh, who himself was uh, a Palestinian young guy, lived in Scotland for a few years, straight-A student, wanted to go to uni, but he couldn't because it was too expensive. Uh, so they start raising awareness of this issue. And then along comes a referral into our organisation uh, for a young woman called Ola, who was a medical student at Dundee University. And she had been paying fees at the university, despite having been living in Scotland since she was a wee girl, basically, since she was 10 or 11 years old. So um, this was very strange because she, for all intents and purposes, is you know, a Scot. And here she is wanting to, you know, go and work in our NHS and, you know, a, a model student needing to pay fees, uh, which actually put her family in really a lot of financial hardship. Um, so we saw an opportunity here um, and we brought a piece of litigation uh, against the Scottish government. Uh, we were arguing that the rules which said that migrant young people had to have lived in Scotland for seven years or half their life, whichever it was, uh, were really penal and uh, and actually discriminatory and 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 they shouldn't exist. Uh, and we argued that those rules were um, a violation of the right to education. And I'm happy to say that we won. Uh, the court agreed that this was a violation of the European Convention on Human Rights. And uh, off the back of that, the Scottish government had to create new rules because the old ones were illegal. And this is where the campaign really came into its own, uh, with the Our Grades Not Visas campaign, because whilst we had sort of unlocked the door by forcing the government to rip up the rules, the campaign walked through it and uh, they were able to voice, you know, how this issue affected them, uh, you know, in, in all the different ways, uh, how many we were able to articulate, how many people were affected, hundreds across Scotland. And uh, we were also able to argue the case that uh, asylum-seeking children uh, should be allowed to access education on an equal basis as well. And they were so persuasive in their in their uh, campaign that the Scottish government agreed, mm -hmm. and they abolished the long residence criteria for migrant young people, and they now allow asylum-seeking children to go to university in Scotland for free as well. So, really, a remarkable uh, achievement for that campaign. Uh, and you know, I'm happy to have played a small part in that with the with the legal case, and it's a good example of um, of you know where good lawyering uh, buddies up with community led campaigning, uh, and um, and you know you get a, a positive outcome. So it's a good Human Rights Day news story. <laughs> it definitely is, and we also do on our first season have an episode that talks a little bit more about the case, and I think we also hear from other members of Just Right that that talk about different angles of it as well, which yeah. I think is so important and so powerful. Um, so some of our listeners, and also you had mentioned this, um, your main spokesperson for when we talk about the hostile UK government's migration policies, mm. could you tell us why you are so passionate about this issue and what JRS is doing to mitigate its impact in Scotland? Oh, well, this is something that binds Kirsty Jen and I and our, our former colleague Sarah uh, you know, inextricably. And it's one of the reasons why Just Right Scotland was founded. You know, we were all migration specialists uh, when we started uh, this organisation. And so it continues to be, a, you know, a key area for us to focus on going forward. Um, migration policies in the UK are, for the most part, appalling, I would say, uh, and they are getting worse. Uh, and but for the work that's done across the UK by uh, you know, organisations spanning from grassroots organisations to, you know, the national refugee councils and whatnot, um, you know, things could be so much, th things, you know, would be getting worse. So it's really important that we stand there as a bulwark against um, populist, uh, right-wing, reg rights-regressive uh, policies. And, you know, we're seeing, a, a, we're seeing a, a significant moment of peril in the UK, the UK government have introduced an act that abolishes the asylum system for almost everybody and uh, mandates forced removal to uh, Rwanda. Uh, it strips victims of trafficking, of support, and, and does all sorts of other, you know, deeply, uh, you know, in my opinion, unlawful things. So uh, 
you know, we can't let that pass without a fight, to be honest with you. And um, and it's not just about using the law, it's about using every tool we can, right? Comms, policy, organising, uh, everything needs to be mobilised to stop it. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, and, and that's why we're so active in, in this area. And so we, we as an organisation have been playing the, uh, you know, an important role in that, providing legal advice, uh, and you know we're ready to bring legal challenges uh, when or if the act, uh, the, the worst parts of the act come to, come to pass. But yes, it's a it's a cornerstone issue for the organisation. Yeah, Kirsty, I saw you may have put your hand up. I didn't know if you wanted to come in on this question at all. And um, no, but I completely agree. I'm nodding away <laughs> as um, as Andy speaks. Um, it's not just a critical moment in the UK, it is also um, in, in Europe and, and elsewhere um, as um, I am too. Um, so, and I couldn't agree more in terms of how we all need to work together deploying all the tools that we have and are often a mixture of those tools um, in order to I guess um, when I think when Just Right Scotland was created, it was very much thinking about using those tools and harnessing and bringing everyone together to to move forward to create something. Now it's about using those tools to to keep what we to keep what we have. Um, and I think your case study, Andy, in terms of what happened with education, just absolutely um, supports and shows what can be done when we all come together. Mm. Um, but that takes leadership and it takes strong leadership and it takes leadership to hold that course and to bring people together to hold that course. And it's never more difficult to do that, nor more important to do that, actually, when it gets tough and now is tough. And, and I think Just Right Scotland has, and, and I've seen it continue to play that role and play that role well, um, and it will need to continue to do so. And, and, I, and I'm so glad that the team and you're all there to continue um, to, to do that work. Um, and know that you're not alone in doing that work. There are many civil society organisations across Europe and globally and, you know, um, facing the same challenges and um and there is something about in there about you know this universal declaration of solidarity, all of us coming together um, across borders as well to collectively support each other um, in this movement. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, and you do hit a few things there like participation and also having those kind of partnerships with different organizations that are collectively sharing resources and, and services and being able to kind of make this impact and change. And I think I kind of want to bring you in on this, Jen, because I feel like that's kind of the core of what JRA does. I'm um, sorry, just right for all. And I was wondering if you can give more perspective on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And reflecting on what Andy and Kirsty have said, I was thinking about kind of our strap line, which is that JRS um, defends and extends people's rights. And I suppose that that encapsulates um, the core of our access to justice um, approach. There are times, as now, and, and particularly as Andy has outlined, um, where law is evolving in a regressive direction and actually just standing ground and defending the rights that we have becomes the priority. Um, and there are other areas where um, human rights protections in Scotland fall short. Um, we speak about that a lot now in relation to the Scottish Human Rights Bill that's upcoming and the opportunity to extend rights in Scotland so that they meet international good practice standards. Um, so extending and defending are sort of two parts of the same project. Um, but coming back to your question about uh, Just Right for All, but also access to justice broadly, um, I suppose it's a nice time to reflect and remember that Just Right Scotland was founded by all of us in order to increase access to justice and um, that the core mission was to identify the gaps where they were um, and to work with others, as Kirsty and Andy have outlined, um, in order to pool our resources um, and increase capacity. So Just Right Scotland was founded out of an understanding that there will always be kind of lack of resource, lack of time um, for you know key actors who want to combat structural inequality and discrimination um, and the ethos which does run through all of our centers and all of our projects today um, is making sure that lawyers are working with other lawyers and non-lawyers 
and that we work together and that the model of our work is about expanding capacity, increasing understanding, making sure that that sort of specialist legal knowledge and the other things about us, our human rights specialisms are shared with others. Um, and I'm really pleased to be able to say that today um, because I think that when we started, and I've been reflecting on this because I was recently asked to speak about bravery and leadership. I think when we started, people said to all of us, you know, we, we, we sort of laid out these principles. We will work in the gaps. We will only do things that other people are not doing. Um, we will share freely our resources and our information and our time. People said to us, wow, that's really brave. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm not sure. That they meant it um, in the best possible way. That's brave. It was ambitious for sure, um, but it was it was brave. Um, and actually, I'm I'm hugely rewarded to see and to be able to see that that approach, that ethos, and those principles they run through all the work in all our centers and all all of our staff. So, yeah, thanks for asking the question. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's amazing. And I think again, when you said like, "Oh, you all are brave," yeah, I would almost kind of take that as like. So you think we can't do it? Like, what do you mean? But it is like, I always think about kind of how JRS runs today. And I always think back about, you know, why you all were started and, and hearing little bits and pieces from each of you, I think is so important. Um, but you do kind of, you did hint about, you know, access to justice and how that kind of thread plays into each of the centers and then things that they do and, and the ethos of, of the organization itself. Andy, I kind of want to bring you in. You said that you supervise two centers, SATEC and SRMC, um, and sometimes helping other legal teams as well. Could you kind of describe the work of the staff at JRS and some of the things that they do? <laughs> That's actually a hard thing <laughs> to do because it's so varied. Um, I mean, the teams I work with, well, I, I, I'm privileged to work across the organization, to be honest with you. I'm probably one of the folks in the organization that has like the most contact with different with different people and uh, everybody's awesome. They do such great work. I mean, the, 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 the teams that I supervise and that I work with most closely are anti-trafficking team and the, uh, the refugee migration team. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're jobbing lawyers on the ground. They're like, at the coalface, you'd say, working in the most difficult circumstances on the most difficult issues. Uh, and I mean, they're tough. They're tough customers, our, our staff. And, um, you know, you have to you have to recognize that because it is, you know, being a human rights lawyer, especially working in, with, the, with the folks that we work with, it's really difficult work. And they do it. They do it so well. Um, uh, and what they're really committed at doing is, is uh, not just, not just looking to get the best result for the person sitting in front of them at the time, but they, they they're always thinking like, how can I maximize what I'm doing here? How can I turn this thing into something else that has a broader impact? And I think that's um, that's a really uh, important and instinctive thing with that I detect within the staff. That's what everybody thinks, I think, across their their work here, which is which is, you know, uh, uh, inspiring in many ways. And so that can look like, you know, winning a case and then creating template letters and sharing them or creating guides or actually saying, you know, actually this thing keeps happening over and over again and I'm not having it. <laughs> and so uh, you know, uh, going to directly to the decision makers or the or the policy makers and uh and uh, you know, expressing their displeasure, shall we say? You know, and th and these are important things to do. Um, but something they also are very committed to doing is working with the communities, uh, the community groups. You know, we've got two uh, amazing caseworkers, three amazing amazing caseworkers who go out into community community groups. You know, after work in the evenings, uh, you know, giving them information sessions about changes to the law, changes to practice, things that are going to affect their lives. Uh, and that is an uncommon thing to do as well, I think, for a, a legal organisation. It, it shows that there's a close bond between the communities we serve and the legal work that we do, and we want to make that stronger. Uh, and I think that is something that I would identify as like one of the sort of USPs of the, of the folks that I work with here. Yeah, I think that's so important as well, because I think going back to why you guys created JRS, like, 
sharing that information and also training those people. And then that comes core of like learning it through the work you do, but then also sharing it with the organizations or even the community groups that you work with. And I think that is so important. And that's such a good link mm-hmm. to have. Um, so backing up a little bit, we're going to go back in time. <laughs> Just Rise Scotland was founded over six years ago by Kirsty, Andy, Jen, and Sarah. Since then, the organization has grown and developed from increasing the number of staff members to building up a high reputation across the third sector in Scotland. When you were all sat around the kitchen table planning and launching JRS, which I didn't know was the kitchen table. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Jen, did you ever imagine that this organization would achieve such a transformative and an impactful approach across Scotland? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I think um, I think we had a really clear idea of what needed to be done. Um, I think going back to the earlier comment about whether or not it was brave, I feel that actually we were very focused and very committed to um, the idea of um, of what needed to be done. And, and therefore it wasn't bravery, it was more um, just persistence. Um, at the time that we sat around that kitchen table, um, we were actually, we were three and a half staff and I was the half member. We were at a standing start in the sense that we didn't have external investment. Kirsty and I put our own money forward in order to start the organization. Um, we didn't take a salary for um, a couple months. And I think um, there was a huge leap of faith for all of us. Um, and I think that that's what I mean by the level of conviction uh, that went into the founding of an organization like JRS. Um, at that time, um, we felt certain that this was needed. But what we never appreciated, because the focus for a startup initially is, you know, survival, survival. Uh, Finding the right photocopier, I think that was Andy's job. Photocopiers are very important to lawyers. Those of you who are listening will appreciate that we were focused on an excellent photocopier. Um, so we were focused on all of these things. And and in that kind of um, testing, piloting, survival mode, um, I don't think we did envisage that we would be um, six, almost seven years on you know, uh, a staff of over 20 and turnover of over a million. Um, and more importantly than the growth, um, you'd mentioned impactful. Um, and I think um, I think we also didn't envisage that in holding to our principles and values, we would be um, such a well-respected, but more importantly, trusted organization in the social justice and human rights um, environment in Scotland. Um, and that means a lot because I think that Just Right Scotland then did bring something that um, that was necessary. I think the growth was because we were working in, in gaps. Um, people were just waiting for us to come um, and they were so keen and so supportive to support us when we did. So um, what's really changed from uh, from what we envisaged to where we are now uh, is not the model or the values or the principles um, which kind of holds strong. What's changed is the opportunity that the organization and the staff as it is now have um, to use that for good. Um, what's changed is the resources that we can now um, lend more freely, as, as Andy has said. What's changed is our capacity to reach more community groups, um, to spend more time with them, um, and also to use our fantastic policy, poems and participation, resources and expertise um, to extend what they can do there too. So that's that focus on being able to offer the legal and the non-legal together. I think that's a really exciting place to be. Um, and I'm really proud of where we are. Um, but I, I think probably all of us would agree that this has exceeded our kind of wildest imaginings, um, you know, six, nearly seven years ago. I agree with everything. And I certainly in the first few months, and it was... Um, it does take bravery to do um, what we did with very little, and it just shows you how how far um, an organisation can come with those values that Jen said. And but key, and I'll come back to it, is is people. Um, those is the same with the declaration, and that's why we're here. They're guiding. They're guiding values. They're guiding rights. They're guiding posts. It's the same with JRS. But you need um you need people, you need good people within the organization, outside the organization to build on those, activate those, and take it, take it far further than we ever thought round about that table, because we certainly couldn't have done it um ourselves. And the other thing, and I, I'm laughing because um all those heavy things going on in our minds and photocopiers, I was also incredibly worried that Andy had a wedding. Um, in three or four months, and 
<laughs> and that you know we really needed to ensure that wages were coming in for that wedding <laughs> still married back, yeah, yeah still married and uh yeah there's a yeah 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 so lots of things that you need to think about when you um when you embark on something like that um because you know whether you know things like that but I do remember oh my goodness Andy is getting married in August (laughs) it all works out in the end (laughs) oh I love that I love all these little like um background stories like (laughs) copiers weddings like these are things like practical things I'd have been like sure yeah in my head you all are such I want to say superheroes that sounds cheesy but like superheroes so to hear that you know starting this organization these are the things we're really worried about sure <laughs> uh so andy what were your expectations coming into jrs and were they are creating jrs and were they met oh i don't know what my expectations were if i'm honest um <laughs> get married <laughs> my, my expectations was to try and get married and uh yeah uh, trust in Jen and Kirsty. <laughs> I was aware that I bring a certain uh, skill set and I was going to uh, go to bat for them and uh, hope for the best, frankly. <laughs> and, uh, and here we are and it worked out in the end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was hoping that the organisation would be able to be something that was different to what was already in the sector. Uh, and, um, and uh, you know, in and, and so we've achieved that. And I was hoping that um, we would be able to uh, see tangible change, like create tangible change in the in you know the progression of people's rights in Scotland. And we did that as well. And I think those were lofty expectations. Uh, the rest of it, and seeing the way we operate now, um, uh, is yeah beyond is beyond what I could have expected. That's amazing. I know. And just in six years, which I think in itself is. Doesn't feel like six years. (laughs) I've aged beyond six years. (laughs) (laughs) The theme of this is human rights work is hard, right? It's true. Uh, I remember, I do remember that when we started JRS and we were doing the hard work of thinking about how to describe ourselves and what was unique about ourselves. You know, you do these things that actually we're starting to do again because we're looking, we're doing a strategic review and we're looking forward to our strategic plan. You'll find this amusing, Natalia. So we did our SWOT analysis and we did our PESTEL and we kind of, in a very kind of amateurish way, we did our initial branding because you, when you open something, when you start something, you do have to do these things as best you can. I remember we were sitting around saying, so what are the things that distinguish us? And you know, some of them were really easy because we were, as a, as a, as a group, the four of us, ourselves and Sarah, you know, we had really common values. We were focused. We, um, we had a, we, we knew what our purpose was. We were committed to justice. We were committed to sharing our skills. And, um, and I do remember Andy also said, and I think, I think we're young. <laughs> Like because we were a young organization, but he actually meant himself and Sarah, I think. And Kirsty. I was including all of us. All of you were younger than me. And and I remember saying, Are we? (laughs) (laughs) And if we hedge the difference there, it's you know, a new emerging young organization, something like that. Oh, these are the things that you do when when you launch something. (laughs) I love that so much. So Kirsty, I mean, feeding off of that, right? New young organization. And now we're six years later. Where do you hope to see JRS in the future? Oh, well, do you know, as we're discussing, as we're chatting, you can clearly see, um, you know, the the role that JRS plays um, and that it's going to continue to, to be needed and continue to be key in that. And in terms of what, you know, we've just been talking about laying out the foundations, the values, again, very similar to, you know, the the work that I'm doing now with with Kind, very similar. And I reflect on that. I reflect on that in Kind. I've reflected on that coming onto this podcast. And I think, and I think I mentioned this, but it goes to me about Just Right Scotland continuing to play that that strong leadership role 
um, both as an organization, but within and you have an amazing team, an amazing leadership team under Emma and the board. And, and, and that's key um, to continue to play the leadership role um, that you do. That solidarity piece that you've spoken about is so, so, so important. Um, and I'll come back to it. It's and you've we've spoken about it. It's collaboration. It's the this recognition that you that we've all said no one person, no one organization, no one community can achieve the effective protection of human rights working alone. And Just Right Scotland, I think, has been so true to that. In and I can hear it today in the examples in in what's being done. And these are challenging times um, nationally, globally, and it's more, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, I think it's more important than ever that Just Right Scotland continues to deepen those collaborations nationally, but also internationally. And I think that is going to be um, an increasing focus. So Just Right Scotland will continue to go from strength to strength, and I know it will. Um, and um and those are the it it for me it will it can it will continue to and I can hear it today play that that key connecting role constantly pivoting and um, bringing people together and um, bringing um communities disciplines different agencies together um playing that being you know having that leadership voice at difficult times and as I said that's when it's important um and yeah and it will continue to do that and and continue to be a key key organization not just within Scotland I think much broader than that within the UK and beyond the UK because we are all as I say um dealing with um similar issues similar challenges and um and yeah, that kind of broader community and that broader movement is really important. But I think um, GRS will be here in a further six years time or further 10 years time. And I look forward to seeing what those podcasts look like um, <laughs> um, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And everything you're saying and a JRS always plays such an important role and, you know, just the wide range of services and kind of different projects that they're a part of. And while, I mean, absolutely echoing everything you say, I really hope that JRS is here if they need to be here. Um, but a part of that and a big part of that is funding. And we know, you know, across Scotland right now, there's the climate of it being super difficult to continue to fund organizations, especially charitable organizations. Um, and we're recently re-looking at a couple of ways to do this. Jen, how fundamental funds are for your charity? Yeah, so I just wanted to acknowledge sort of what you said at the outset, which is that um, fundraising has become more difficult for charities and sort of social justice organizations across the board. And um, the cost of living crisis for charities in the UK has has really bitten, you know, for all of us. And, you know, part of that is um, it's very important as well to make sure that our staff are looked after and are supported through this time. And as you know, charities tend to run on relatively narrow margins. And um, so we're really proud that I think we stepped up to the challenge there um, and we've helped to support our staff respond to the cost of living crisis. But the other side of that um, is that an organization of our size and um, aiming to do the work we do does need more support and it needs specifically unrestricted support um, as opposed to project-based support. Uh, and that's important, um, not so much um, because of the levels of support that we're looking for, but because this is a way of um, uh, creating like a wider group of people um, who know what we're about, who will pass on the word about um, the things that we might be able to offer, um, and in turn, who can inform us about issues that are important in their communities. Um, so I think, again, it, this comes of maybe maturing a bit, so getting to the six-year mark um, and having the time and the space for this, but also the confidence that we can um, listen and respond. Um, uh, the money that we raise will be for things like this, in fact, our, our, our podcast. So the podcast was only launched this year, and the podcast is also part of our efforts to communicate more directly. Um, with people beyond the immediate communities and partners that we've worked with. Um, so, so yeah, thanks for asking. And uh, whilst the, the Christmas challenge was kind of limited to uh, giving in a certain period, it is the launch of a kind of a longer term um, 
engagement. So you'll see that we will be sending more regular newsletters um, and that there will be more opportunities to kind of to join and support us in different ways in the next year. Amazing. And how do people kind of support this or sign up to get the newsletters? Um, well, thanks for asking that, Natalia. Um, if people want to sign up for the newsletter, they can go to our website um, and sign up there on the contact page. Uh, we'll also put a link in the notes below this podcast. Um, and if you're looking at this on social media, you'll also find a link in the messages that follow. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I think that's such a good way for people to get more involved with human rights organizations, as well as providing that additional support. So definitely keep an eye on the space and and definitely check out our website for that. Um so moving on to our Human Rights Day, which is on December 10th and is why we decided to do this special episode. It marks the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The theme for 2023 is dignity, freedom, and justice for all, which I feel like kind of go hand in hand to exactly what we've been talking about on this podcast, exactly what JRS does. Um, Steve, what does this theme mean to you? And how do you think this theme actually does connect with JRS? Yeah, I think it's uh it's a really it's an important theme. Also, I can't believe it's 75 years um that we're celebrating and I and actually I think about that number um when I'm at, when I'm thinking about my answer to this question because I think that in the last couple of years we have had to respond to more crises, um, pandemic, um, conflicts, conflicts, you know, on the borders of Europe and in the Middle East, um, kind of crisis after crisis comes. And our world is changing, you know, quicker in a year than it maybe did previously in five years um, or, you know, or a decade, decade. And as these things maybe make their way out of the news sphere, you know, the human impact continues. And I think what organisations like Just Right Scotland, <clears throat> my own do, is we're there to protect human rights all the way through. So we're trying to prevent um, at the time, but also we're there often for the ones that are left behind when conflicts, um, you know, continue or pass um, women, children, um, people from you know minority communities and 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 that's what we do and and undoubtedly the more crises that come and um, the more impact that the, the, the more people that are who are left behind or within you know vulnerable situations the more there is a need for us and at the same time I think there's not just a need for us to respond and to provide legal support and information and everything that we've discussed. I also think there's an increasing need for us to be there to be stewards and to to ensure that governments and others are accountable. These are key human rights and we're there um, to, to, to hold um, our systems, our governments to account. And that doesn't need to be some strategic test case, although sometimes that's necessary, as, as Andy's just said. But it's often um, we're there to complement and support often. And you've heard lots of um, examples of that in this podcast. Information to communities, um, training, um, um, speaking to government about a system that doesn't work, strengthening those systems. All of that's important. and. I, it's never been more important than now. And so there's something about the the years <laughs> that where we are globally, and I do think we need to say and reflect it is difficult. It is a difficult time. There are difficult times. But those pillars, those principles, the human rights, they're there. They don't change. And just like, you know, Just Right Scotland, like kind those values that Jen set out, those are there, they don't change, they guide us. And they were there to hold our account. We, we are stewards, I think, as human rights lawyers, as human rights organisations, we have a responsibility and a role um, to do that. And we have a responsibility and a role to help everyone um, to, to work together um, as communities, 
as civil society, as human rights movements, and I'll repeat both nationally and transnationally, um, it's definitely been something I've reflected on in my new role that sometimes what I see in the Polish border is the same thing that we're seeing in the Mexican-US border. Um, same challenges, <clears throat> same approaches, same systems, same problems. So um, I, I am really reflecting this year, I think, in particular, <laughs> Um, um, on that theme and the importance of the role of Just Right Scotland and to keep doing what it's been doing for six years and to keep doing it for the next and um, and longer. Yeah, I think everything you said is so important. Um, a big part of that is reflecting on that. Um, Andy, I kind of want to bring you in on this as well. Um, so what does this theme mean to you and to JRS? <laughs> I was reflecting before the podcast that um, the theme is very broad, isn't it? Dignity, freedom and justice for all. To the extent that I'm wondering what are the other themes could be, because that's <laughs> everything, I think. I mean... Take your pick, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I'm I'm an optimist, so I always try and uh, find the positive in, in whatever, uh, whatever situation we're in. It can be difficult sometimes, but you need to. Um, and I reflect, if I reflect on the last 75 years since the Universal Declaration on Human Rights, you know, we 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 live in and we focus on difficult times that, that we're experiencing just now. But I think it's also important for us to reflect on the last 75 years and the progress that's been made. The world is a very, very different place than it was 75 years ago. And across the globe, for almost everyone... It's better than it was 75 years ago. You know, there are some notable exceptions, but as a general, uh, as a general assessment, things are better than they were. Uh, and I think that when we do take stock, it's not just to pat ourselves on the back and say, well, look what we did. It's to think, well, how did we do that? What lessons can we learn? What did we do right? What did we do wrong? Um, now, as a... <laughs> These days, we're not particularly good at, at, at reflecting that. Those who don't learn from history are destined to repeat it, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, when we when we think about the problems that we're facing in our local areas or our, uh, you know, our national problems, then we really do need to reflect on the last 75 years and think of, of what happened in the past, how we can, uh, you know, and how we overcame certain things. I was reflecting recently on the life of my grandmother who passed away at 96. And when she was born in 1927, the world was a very, very different place. And she saw all sorts of things. And going through life as a working class woman in Scotland, uh, you know, the world that she left was very, very different to the world that she experienced when she was in her 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s. So, um, and that gave me heart, actually. Uh, and so... Um, yeah, that's kind of where I, where my mindset is, uh, reflecting on uh, this Human Rights Day, that we need to, uh, you know, we have challenges ahead of us, but they are definitely able to be overcome. That's so important. Jen? Yeah, I'm just reflecting. I agree with a lot of what Kirsty and Andy said. Um, and I just, you know, I, I think about, I know Andy and I both lecture in human rights law as well. Um, and I think about the experience of teaching about the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Um, I think it it was an incredible thing to have happened at the end of a great tragedy. I'm also aware that the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is, um, it is a kind of, it has a, a Eurocentric genesis. It is only one vision of how we could protect rights in the world. And we are seeing um, some movement um, around the boundaries of that. So you see a greater emphasis on rights for minorities. You see a lot of really good work being done around social justice and climate justice. So environmental rights, those are all things that were left out of the original framing um, that are now coming to pass. But I actually think the fact that we are so confident that there are international human rights, that there is a framework that people sign up to, and it's within this framework that we talk about those things, like environmental rights, economic and social rights, um, is incredible. And I think it's something that needs to be protected. And now is a time globally, and we see this locally in our work, but we also see this across different countries. Now is a time where the concept of everyone agreeing to one framework for protecting rights is kind of under fire. Um, and that's what that's what we need to keep an eye on. Um, in terms of the 
the rights themselves or the theme uh, for 2023, which is dignity, freedom and justice for all. I guess for us, particularly in Scotland, the challenge is still for all. Uh, so the importance of human rights for people is that they are a set of rights that we all have because we are people. So we have them regardless of who we are and we have them regardless of where we are or where we come from. Um, and that's really easy to say. But if you just sort of cast your eye across um, Scotland, the people you know, um, the friends you have, even in your own life, you will know that there have been times in your life where you have been denied a right to things or you have been discriminated against or you've been humiliated um, or you have been you've had things withheld from you primarily because of who you are or where you are or where you're from. And so those are the gaps. You know, the law as it stands um, is medium good in Scotland. It could be strengthened. And that is that again is the project of the Scottish Human Rights Bill is that the law as it stands is lacking in some places, right? So we're really not done. But even the law as it stands, um, it, it doesn't deliver that promise of um, fair, equal protection and a dignified life for all. Um, and there's a lot that's on the table that ourselves and other um, civil society organizations um, have put forward uh, that can change. And that change is actually um, relatively straightforward and achievable, um, uh, but it needs to come. So for me, um, the Human Rights Day uh, theme, dignity, freedom and justice for all. Um, I think my plea would be that we reflect most of all on what are the things that we can do now locally immediately to, to make that promise real for more people. Um, and then more broadly, uh, what are the things that we need to be communicating across the UK um, and globally, as as Kirsty's mentioned earlier, um, about making sure that we stand in solidarity um, with what's really at the moment a, a very kind of regressive approach to rights, as as Andy as Andy mentioned. The last thing I'll say, because you'll remember I said at the start that I am a wee bit older than all the rest of you. <laughs> but the good thing about that is I'm a little bit connected to previous. Um, previous kind of campaigning moments in history and previous uh, decades of regression. Um, and I do kind of have this hope and this faith that it is about holding the line and that things will can, can continue to change for the better, which is what kind of Andy articulated. Um, but it really needs, it really needs all our energy and focus just now and, um, and, and kind of a putting aside even of minor disagreements over things in order to ensure that we can hold the line for the next generation. I think everything you all said collectively is so important. And I almost am curious as to see, like, maybe this year's theme is that reminder to reflect on these things, is that reminder to to look at what we've, we're doing, look at the gaps that we're missing and and making sure that we're moving forward from that, um, but also highlighting where that may be difficult and where that you know, additional support may need, may be needed. And so I think, yeah, collectively, all of what you said is so important. I think hits on that so beautifully. Um, to continue this, this hope that you gave us, Jen, um, what are some of the hopes that you have for the future of Just Right Scotland? My hopes for the future. Well, this is easy because I could, I could, I could talk for days on this. Um, I hope that, and I, I not only hope though, I kind of believe, I'll say that, I mean, I believe um, based on where we are and who we are, um, that Just Right Scotland will always be spoken of in future um, as a trusted friend, um, as an organization that is respected and admired um, and that knows the right thing and does the right thing. And I, it's really quite simple how I put it. Um, but I think that's the most important part. And um, because the lesson that we've learned, um, the, the kind of the reason why our organization was so welcomed by others when we were founded right, um, is that if you step forward with um, your intention, your resources, you ask people to join you in common cause for goals which are fundamentally good, right, goals which are about helping people to achieve justice, goals which are about um, using the skill and, to be honest, the privilege that you have, so the privilege of having an organization, the privilege of having a skill set or an education, um, if you step forward and offer that to people who are like-minded, and you find the right people, they will give and they'll give back more. Um, and I think that is the reflection. Every project that we have built with other people and including the work that our caseworkers are doing now, reaching out to communities and the strategic campaigning work that we have done um, around the Human Rights Bill and that illegal migration bill. And um, everything that we've done um, is more than the sum of its parts. 
because of that approach and because people trust in us as an organization and that's reflected in our staff. So um, so that's it. It's a simple hope for the future. But I think with that formula, we will always be in the right place and we will be there for as long as we're needed. I love that. Andy? Um, I hope that we are uh, st- still in a place where we're able to have impact and improve the lives of people that we um, that we work for and with. That has to be the first and last uh, measurement of our success. Because if we don't do that, then you know we're just you're you're just occupying a space. You know, so uh, impact in terms of actually improving the lives of people that you work with. Uh, I would like to see the organization continue to be an enjoyable place to work. Uh, and as a result, uh, a breeding ground for um, new leaders in the sector. You know, I, I I have worked for organizations in the past that have been that uh, breeding ground for leaders in the sector. And I look around the sector in Scotland now uh, and beyond, actually, and <laughs> there's a huge number of us that originated from one place. And I think that's a credit to that. Uh, to that place. And I would like Just Right Scotland to be um, something similar to that. I love that. And Kirsty? You know, I I don't think I've got anything to add to what Andy and Jen um, said. And but to, and I think I can say it from the outside, that um, that the points that you've made impact, um, you know, thinking about and giving opportunities to 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 people that we need in the future, thinking ahead, looking ahead, um, being humble constantly, you know, being um, a, a trusted and open partner, everything that you said, Jen. Um, you know, as you said, it's easy to say these things. It's not easy to implement them. And Just Right Scotland holds true and continues to hold true to things that are simple to say, but not always easy to hold to um and um and i love what you say about having impact and continuing to think inwards about that and challenge you know yourselves i'm sure um um about that and and that's about being honest to yourself which makes you an honest partner you know the values you have yourself make um then kind of shine through in the values that you take um elsewhere i'm I feel incredibly privileged to have played a small part in in where Just Right Scotland is today. I feel incredibly privileged to have been part of this and to hear what you're doing, you know, just to discuss this, how you're taking it forward. I think Scotland is lucky to have you. And um, and no matter, you know, where Just Right Scotland goes, um, you know, you will be doing the right thing. You will be in the right place and you will be having um, the right impact and, um yeah, it's 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 been a privilege to play a small part in that and 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 to hear and discuss this uh, today. I don't know if we can say it's a small part. <laughs> I think it's a bit more than that. To be overly modest, there. I agree. <laughs> Modesty is also one of our values. <laughs> Amazing, well, but it's it's recognizing though that it's taking your point, all of your points, that we are one. We're cog a cog in something, and we play that bit. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that to facilitate the the using the privilege that you said, Jen, to bring others in on and and being that cog to ensure that we're bringing on board um future talent and future talent in a way to respond to, you know, to what's coming in the future, because what's coming in the future will be different to what we've re- responded to. So mm-hmm. creating those leaders and future leaders that have, those values and are able to pivot and be flexible and think about impact and think about what they're doing and so that is a small part because we are you know we're stewards and we're we're here at one bit to do what we can at that time constantly thinking and constantly um thinking about that future so yeah that's beautiful i don't want to add too much on that because that was a perfect way to end it but thank you all for being here and Thank you all for continuing to hold the spaces that you do to make the work possible. And yeah, I look forward to see and hear and possibly do more podcasts with you all. Thanks, Natalia. Thank you so much, Natalia. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
This is just one of the many inspiring stories that you'll hear on Human Rights Day on December 10th. And make sure to double check our show notes for information on how to donate, more information about the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and also more information on our partner organizations that join this podcast today. And like always, listeners, don't forget to like, comment, and share this podcast. Don't forget that you can always listen back to our episodes on Podbean website, podcast streaming services, and social media pages. And that's a wrap. See you next season.